Welcome to 11 Sears with Danielle Perry. This is the podcast where we invite our guests to take some much-needed time out over coffee, perhaps, and celebrate the art of conversation. Now, the crux of this podcast is that each guest is asked the same questions. And this week, I'm delighted to introduce the next gent to join me for a brew. An American actor and musician, a number one at the box office and also on the jazz music charts. Born in Pennsylvania and currently residing in L.A., he is no stranger to treading the boards in Broadway, a familiar face on screens in front rooms across the world and recent Glastonbury Festival inductee. On screen, he's starred in some of the highest grossing films of his era, such as Jurassic Park in 1993, Independence Day three years later, as well as their sequels and countless other highly regarded movies. The PR right now on my desk shows just how many plates this guest is spinning. He is busy. Latest musical release, I shouldn't be telling you this, is out now on Decca Records. And also his latest series, The World, according to Jeff Goldblum, is available on Disney+. Plus. That's giving it away, isn't it? Please do. Welcome my next guest to Eleven's is Jeff Goldblum. Hello. Hello, Danielle. What are you drinking then, Jeff? Do you want a cup of tea, coffee, water? For me, since I've given up caffeine, Mm. low these five, six years ago, just hot water. I do like a warm beverage. Mm. So I feel like I get as much out of it comfort-wise and as anything flavored, even tea. So so hot water in a cup. You got it. Thank you. So... Jeff, from meeting you for the past sort of 10 minutes, such a vibrant character. You can, you can tell that you're so interested by everything and obviously so many plates spinning as well. I like yeah. to be busy. Can yeah. we strip everything right back yes, and go please. back to your childhood now? Let's, let's, yes, let's go back. And I wondered if you'd be so kind to share your, your first, do you have a first memory? Can you remember your first memory that you'd be willing to share with a us? A first too? memory? Yeah. Well, I grew up in Pittsburgh and... Um, Ooh, there were a lot of woods near there. Mm. I remember nature and walking around by myself in the in the woods. Oh, I also remember dressing up like a cowboy and uh, for company. It was sort of an early seed of my theatrical appetite, I think. I, I thought, oh, I remember being in the basement of this house and going, hey, you know, I should take that outfit and put it on. I'll bet it would be cute if I... <laughs> If I presented myself as this other, as this cowboy, and I did. What would you tell your younger self? What advice would you give your younger self? Ooh, don't worry, you know, trust yourself. I'd say trust yourself, because uh, oftentimes I over-prepared in my acting and over, you know, uh, but I guess I had to do that all along the way. I like this quote by George Bernard Shaw. Mm. Let me see if I can remember some of it. He says, this is the true joy in life. The being used for a purpose considered by yourself as mighty. The being a force of nature instead of a feverish, selfish little clod of ailments and grievances complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. I am of the opinion, he says, that my life belongs to the whole community. And while I live, it's my privilege to do for it whatever I can. Uh... I rejoice in life for its own sake. Life is no brief candle to me. It's a sort of splendid torch that I've got hold of for the moment and I want to make it burn as brightly as possible before handing it on to future generations. Mm. That's what he says. So That's well remembered. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe I'd read that to my younger self and say, hey, get a load of this and keep that in your, in your back pocket. Um, now, um, I know obviously you've said that maybe if you weren't an actor, you would have been a musician. Clearly, you're sort of straddling both careers now, which must yeah. be joyous for you. Yeah. Is there a, a work of art or a piece of music that truly takes your breath away? 
that takes my breath away? Or the one that you always return to, you know, the, the one. Which is the one for you? If you can choose one. Uh, you know, it always changes. That's why I don't go to movie sets anymore with a kind of a bag of books or radio choices, like, you know, song choices that I play where I know something all kind of... I, I'm looking for the things that always grip me. I'll tell you, we did a... Do you know Beverly Knight? I know of Beverly Knight, You yeah. know, I didn't know her music before. We just did a show. She was there right next to me, right here. Mm -hmm. Another guest on this show. She sang four songs... Powerhouse, right? Oh, my God. It just <laughs> knocked my socks off. Yeah. She said the last of which was a cover version of uh, Mick Jagger's uh, Satisfaction. Oh, wow. I, I, I tell you, I loved, I loved it to pieces. That's fantastic. Yeah. But no, like, jazz standard or anything that's... Oh, the... I love all jazz standards. Name one now and we'll sing one together because I'll bet you'll name one. Name one that you can think of. Well, there's Cantaloupe, like I saw you perform earlier oh, on. There's, we go back to Kind of Blue. There's Charles Mingus. There's oh, yeah, well, Monk. There's... I love all that. Yeah. How about one we can sing? How about one with lyrics, like from the songbook, you know, from the... Don't you know any of those from, you know, Sinatra songs or any, any of oh, those yeah. songs? Like, what? What do you like? Ladies, Trump. I got too high. You're joining me. Ready? Five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> I got too hungry for dinner at eight. Hey, there's a recording of Frank yeah. Sinatra doing that live that knocks me out that I played over and over again. And in fact, it's one of those songs, tracks that I took to a movie set and played because I had to kind of be excited or I don't do that anymore, like I say. But I played that over and over again. He appears on stage. He, he's, you can hear him with his big band going behind him. And he's just, he goes, I get too hungry. Bang. For yeah. dinner at eight. Bang. Bang. It is just... Amazing. The, the height of, I don't know what, is just great. He is the man. He was brilliant, yeah. wasn't he? When did you completely feel like you? There is always a moment, isn't there, where you go, I'm, I'm sort of, I, I get it. I get who I am now. When was that moment Isn't for you? that an interesting question? Well, I'm still discovering it. I think my great teacher, Sandy Meisner, with whom I studied early on, said, you know, don't copy anybody and it'll take 20 years of continual work before you can even call yourself an actor. And then a lifelong pursuit uh, of a getting better and better. Mm -hmm. I think I'm a late bloomer. I think I'm a, I, I took that to heart. I'm a humble student and still feel like I'm finding my self in all sorts of ways and the pursuit of who we really are, the reality of our consciousness. Jeez, that's a whole other subject, which yeah. I can tell from your vibrant eyes you're maybe a little interested in. That's an ever, you know, um, interesting mm. ideal toward which to reach and uh, mm. about which to investigate. So having said that, I started to feel like myself, get the first seeds of who I might have been. Well, early on, I was a very joyful kid, as I remember. And people even said, gee, he's kind of calming to be around. He's, a, he's, he's fun to be around, this or that. When I discovered acting... Mm. Oh, I thought, and this group that was different from the group I was in my neighborhood or that I went to school with, this other group where I went, I took an acting camp kind of thing. I thought, oh, uh, that, that's me. You know, that's that was it. a real kind of moment of self-discovery. And then along the way, you know, I took acting, which has all, all to do, as you know, with and music. All those things have to do with finding more and more about your mm. self and locating and being in possession of your f faculties, facilities, and resources. And... Um, and, you know, including every part of yourself mm. uh, uh, and being honest about it and being on a 
journey of uh, truth and realization. I, I think somewhere in the movies, well, you know, I did that movie Next Stop Greenwich Village and I walked away from the set after improvising these couple of scenes feeling like, hey, wait a minute. That kind of went okay, I think. Mm -hmm. And then in 1978, I did Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And Phil Kaufman mm -hmm. is a wonderful director. And the way he appreciated me through his eyes after this one take and scene that I did where my wife said, why have we always expected them to come in metal ships? And I said, I, I, I've never expected them to come in metal metal ships, something like that. He laughed and said, that, okay, that was good. I thought, hey, you know, maybe I don't have to work so hard. Maybe there's something in me that is kind of... Mm, interesting enough, and maybe I'll explore that. You know, That's something like that. Had some like some experience like that, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, in that guise, when were you happiest? Do you think? Well, I tell you, the day that I went to Carnegie Mellon University, that mm. I took that six-week summer course uh, between ninth and tenth grades. The first day. I did this so-called monologue that I'd worked up that they'd asked us to present on that first day. And people kind of laughed at it. It was from The Rainmaker, believe it or not, where I played a part that I wasn't right for at that point um, of a Starbuck from that play that Burt Lancaster did in the movie, finally, opposite Catherine Hepburn. Anyway, I I did this thing, nimbulo cumulus, cumulo nimbulo, da, 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 I was the Rainmaker. And people were laughing and I'd worked out some stuff to it. And I remember I had to leave the theater to catch up on getting my ID card for the six-week summer session. So I was by myself right after I did it. Mm. And there was a beautiful campus in the middle of summer and a long lawn. And I remember being so jubilant and full of kind of ecstasy uh, from what happened, from what I had done, that I just kind of gambled and skipped and hopped and danced across that lawn. Lovely. I think I was very happy and uniquely happy at that moment as I hadn't been before. Contentment's a wonderful thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, your parents seemed quite, um, they were interested in show business, right? Your mother yeah. indeed was a radio broadcaster for a while. Uh, yeah, you may say, as the legend has it, I think that's after I left the house. You know, I when I graduated high school, I moved to New York from Pittsburgh and started this, you know, odyssey and acting and all, all that, uh, keeping a piano with me all the time anyway. And... Um, and that's when I think she did that. She right. launched into this post, you know, empty nest, uh, you know, uh, uh, career. Because I think she was a, a gifted woman, really, who had probably an, a, 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 an excess of unused, latent energy, mm. power and creativity. And she raised the four of us. But I think, you know, as women... Uh, were challenged at that point and still, of course, as we know to some degree now, uh, did not have a, uh, a an equal status and opportunity of uh, exploring mm. her many uh, facets. Mm. So after, yeah, I think she did some broadcasting and early on, that's right, she, I think her, the, the story goes that she was in a play and some scout from New York supposedly said, hey, your daughter to her mother, my grandmother, you, she's got to come to New York. She's got to really? be an actress. Yes. Wow. And her mother said, absolutely no not, no way. And then she didn't oppose her, et cetera, et cetera. So her, her life took the course that it did. Wow. How interesting. So Isn't that interesting? spirits in your family. Surely. It's in your blood. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And my dad, who came from poor 
uh, a poor parents, his dad named Pavartsik, changed his name to Goldblum when he came to America from Russia, sure. um, had a luggage store slash candy store. And uh, my dad was going to try to lift himself up and, and do a little better. Uh, thought, he said, of being either a doctor, which mm. he became, or he said an actor. He had in his mind, but he stuck his head in the back of an acting class and said, oh, that's out of my league to himself. He he shared with us, whatever that meant. But anyway, I think they were both tickled when I started to, you know, uh, show off in the way that I I do. Um, The next question I'm going to ask you um, is quickly becoming one of my favorite, actually, in the podcast series, which is if you'd mind sharing with us if you have any recurring dreams or if there's a place that you continue to like revisit or go back to. I'd be fascinated to hear if you had one. I think my first dream, uh, maybe I'd seen Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs or something was scared by that witch, you know. Mm. So I dreamed of a witch who had tied me down to a stump, a, uh, you know, a tree stump, and uh, I thought she was going to, what, cut my head off or something like that. But she just s- extended her long, gnarly fingers and said, peaches, peaches, <laughs> like that. And then I told my brothers, two older brothers, and we shared a room. And when we turned out the lights at night oh, for the next period, they would go, peaches, peaches. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Okay, so from discussing your dreams, which seem so creative and detailed, and from sitting with you for the past half an hour or so, I'd probably describe your imagination as sparkling, to be honest. You obviously have a curious mind, and I suppose your latest series and the brief for it was a dream come true to you, which was to trawl the world looking for information that fascinated you. Is there a fact you found out recently on those travels that completely blows your mind? Well, finishing up and promoting this um, show, this documentary series that you Mm. said called The World According to Jeff Goldblum, the National Geographic, Nat Geo, produced. Well, I visited places that were totally mind-blowing. We did an episode on pools. A lot of the subjects that we pick are familiar items, ice cream and denim and uh, bicycles. And and we did one on pools, and they sent me to Houston, Texas, where NASA... Has an operation there, Neutral Buoyancy Lab, they call it, where, the, where they have the biggest pool, I think, in the world. And, uh, submerged at the bottom is a replica of the International Space Station. Oh, my God. And I met a couple of astronauts who had been up there. And I met a couple of women, incredible women, who were um, astronaut uh, recruits. And at the end of their two-year training program selected from thousands of others, very gifted and powerful women. And they went into this six-hour um, training Pro, uh, a period where they wore the spacesuit basically and, and were buoyant to the neutral degree to simulate um, weightlessness in space so they could practice around. And I got in the pool with them, talked to them, et cetera, et cetera. Totally fascinating. That life is life fascinating. changing for me, yeah. That must have been quite a spectacle to see that. It sure was. Things you don't expect to see in life. I'll tell you, yeah. <laughs> What's your ambition, Jeff? My ambition? Mm. Well, I'm like um, Terry Malloy in On the Waterfront. I, li- I like when when uh, Rod Steiger says, wow, what's your ambition? Or Johnny Friendly, the mm-hmm. evil Johnny Friendly, says, well, aren't you an ambitious kid? Or da, da, da. He goes, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I always thought I was a little better off without... Uh, Without, you know, too much ambition, you know, mm-hmm. I thought I'd make, you know, um, or like in, in um, also by Arthur Miller, he goes, uh, you know, some of this American style ambition sometimes can be a little toxic, you know, he, uh, he says, um, 
Happy, who's a wrong-headed kind of guy. He's got the wrong idea about the American, or the, he's 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 processed uh, uh, the wrong part of the American so-called dream. And he says, I don't know. I think I got an overdeveloped sense of competition. I think that's mm. my problem. In any case, I don't know if that I'd call it ambition, but I have a strong passion and an appetite for contribution, I'd say, mm. to upgrade my um, my ability to uh, contribute to the people with whom I come in contact and leave things a little better off, you know? I mean, I'm thinking about it seriously. It may sound highfalutin, but now I've got kids and uh, I'm trying to convert some of my half-baked ideas into more fully-baked ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm reading a lot. I just read these three books by Yuval Harari, mm -hmm. uh, Sapiens and Homo Deus and 21 Lessons for the 21st Century that I liked a lot. Okay, I'll so them up. my ambition is to keep learning and mm -hmm. uh, for as long as I have, fleeting as we all are here, uh, you know, um, yeah, keep learning and uh, and doing some kindness uh, yeah, along mm, the way. Absolutely. Do you have a best friend? My best friend. That's a good question. Besides you, yeah. now now that we've uh, <laughs> met, um, I would say my wife Emily. Uh, my wife Emily, I think, mm. is my best friend. There's a guy, Gary Cress. We've been to you know working together and and ha hanging out and sharing confidences for a few decades and Keith Addis who I work with also is is uh, is um, a good friend Ed Begley Jr. I've known for a long time he's a saintly man and a great great person and a great friend so I have a few wonderful friends but I think Emily Goldblum is uh, now we've been together for eight nine years we've got two kids together mm. and we've got important work to do together like that she's a hero of mine she's a very strong powerful brilliant woman she was in the Olympics you know she's and a gymnast huh gymnast yeah rhythmic gymnastics yeah. and then she learned and still works every day on she's very disciplined on um, you know aerial work and uh, dancing uh, yeah and the way she's raising and we're raising the kids together. Yes, we're best friends, and I did tell her we confide in each other, and um, she's a, she's just great. Yeah, it's lovely. That might lead on to the answer for your next one, which is what has been your greatest achievement to date? Achievement? Well, it's a cliche. I've heard other people mm -hmm. say it, but yes, yes, you know, um, you know, having these kids. Uh, uh, I don't know that I achieved anything by it. It's not really what you'd call an achievement. Uh, it's certainly a gift to me. Uh, I wouldn't call that an achievement, really. I guess an achievement f feels like, to my ear, something you've worked on. And I, pri I do like to work, like my dad was had a strong work ethic. So, mm. you know, besides this gift of, of, you know, being given the chance to upgrade and uh, ennoble my uh, ability to be a husband and father, uh, yeah, I would say my I've devoted myself to to to... A acting and and uh, trying to do that well, and I play. It's a joy to play all the time. So, I I I like. Of course, I've been lucky. I've been so lucky. I'm so grateful for my good luck. I've worked with good directors, you mm. know. Uh, anyway, those are a few thoughts off no, it's the top lovely. of my adult It's, it's fascinating noodle. watching you kind of think about it. And, and yeah. it's, thank you so much for your generous answers. They're you're brilliant. So, oh, you're so nice. Thank you. That's been a so joy. Much. Thank you so much. Me. 
Jeff Goldblum, what a character. And when he walked into the studio, he brought with him this enormous amount of charisma and energy and uh, potentially could be one of the world's most perfect dinner party guests, right? Um, He was so kind, actually. We kept pushing back the clock with his PR so we could have more time with him. But eventually they had to pull him out and onto his next meeting. But fascinating life and such a great approach to personal growth, I thought, as well. If you enjoyed this episode and indeed the series so far, I'd love you to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you're listening on Apple, I would truly appreciate any rating, hopefully five star, uh, you could offer. It all helps in the grand scheme of podcast life. Next week, we will be welcoming Angelica Bell to have a brew with me. She paints in our conversation beautiful, vivid pictures of her past in London. From winning MasterChef and what it's really like in the studio behind the scenes, memories of riding the bus through London town. And one thing that's a constant thread actually throughout our conversation is her incredible ability to face her fears and get on with it. It's actually really quite inspiring. I used to be really scared of heights. And then when I joined CBBC... It was, I had to get over that quick. I mean, I had to do pieces to camera on the highest vertical drop roller coaster in Europe. <laughs> and I was sat with a child um, who, we, we, they'd won this trip or something we were filming. And there was no way I couldn't say I'm not going to do this. <laughs> so you go. So I think I've been in a situation, well, I've been in a situation where I've just had to do it. Fair play. Until next week.